Atomic testing and nuclear material irradiate and mutate a dinosaur into epic fire-breathing kaiju proportions. And if you think I'm talking about Godzilla, well, so did the legal team at Toho. This is Kaiju vs. History, Aegon Atomic Dragon. Welcome back to another black and white small screen production. This is your scientist's type in a lab coat, Patrick, and, and joining me this week is a reporter with his camera at the ready, Miles. Ready to sup on some kaiju TV series. Oh boy. <laughs> you know, in, in, in a handful of years, I will be a hundred percent ready. Once, once, I mean, you have Ultraman already, but once we get into the Super Sentai era, uh, I am I'm all ready for it because it seems like at that point they know what they're doing. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, yeah. this I mean, this happened with uh, a couple weeks ago where it's and you mentioned this that mm-hmm. to me, I think personally on the show that, oh, just wait until we do Aegon because it's more of a blatant ripoff of Godzilla. And yeah. boy, howdy, were you correct? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, we, we've had Godzilla knockoffs. We've had Godzilla types and your Gappas, your X's from outer space, I guess. Gorgo, certainly. <laughs> Godzilla-style monster. But yeah, it, this this makes Gamera look like his own complete <laughs> monster type. This is a... Oh, I mean, a hundred percent. But I mean, at the same time, like Gamera was his own little monster type because he's at least a different kind of monster. And yeah. at least <laughs> some effort seemed to have been made. This is a television production. This was originally aired as four episodes. Correct. It was two, two parts, I think over four different evenings. These are them about 24 minutes long. The first two were called. Aegon appears, and the second, a dangerous situation. And, I mean, I'm all for the, the television miniseries. Like, I, I remember when that kind of event used to occur, especially in the 90s, and especially if you were adapting Stephen King, because that seemed to be the, the ticket oh, for ABC. Yeah. I watched a lot of them. Yeah, I, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff, and I honestly didn't realize that went so far back, if I'm being perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we've had compilation films. We recently talked about Johnny Sacco, but this was an actual television event, which is which yeah, is a in of itself, yeah, really interesting. It's the delivery system. I feel like they were expecting when they made Varen the Unbelievable, and yes, this is the opposite of Varen, really. Yes, it, it is because while this one did appear on television and is in fact a television film, all the goodwill I had for Varen the Unbelievable is not existent here. But before we get into that, Patrick, I need you to tell us what's in a title because it doesn't seem like much. Well, yeah, the, the original title is just just Aegon. And when it was released to to the world, the English title was Aegon colon Atomic Dragon. And that, you know, Aegon, I guess, is a, a portmanteau of A for Atomic and Gone, Dragon. <laughs> so it puts them together as a name. 
I, I don't know if that's how the Japanese take it, but the, the original Japanese title was uh, Moroboshi no Daikaiju Aegon, which translates to Giant Phantom Monster Aegon. Where the phantom comes from, what exactly the Maboroshi exact kind of translation, I wasn't really able to find out. It It is kind of not it's- the same as a Oni or anything like that, but... I mean, this this film in of itself is tough to find. Like, you can purchase it on DVD as the, I guess, the compilation film, and you can find it separated into episodes on YouTube. And, um, and we should is, note those are, I think, are fan subs too. So I don't. Well, know if they're if fan subs, are, they're actually pretty solid fan subs. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that, that is how we watched it. Even though we're going to be reviewing this like it is a movie. For for the podcast because yeah because Patrick tricked me <laughs> yeah yeah it's, I got you so so I, I do want to know because <laughs> all right this is this is a a, a series or, or a slash film that was made in 1964 four year prior before it came out so yeah what is it about this series that because you seem to enjoy it a little bit more than I do so yeah give, give me the give me the give me the story here because this is this is one that I. I kind of had to be sold on because while we're both big kaiju fans, hmm. you know, we try to kind of do TV only every now and then, or if there's a proper compilation film, because I don't think the film version came out until much, much later. So, yeah, believe it or not, they didn't compilate the the four Compile. episodes. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> they didn't stitch them together until i think 1990 that's what i thought or 1980s that's why i wanted to know why you wanted to hurt me so much they didn't cut too much though so each of the episodes was about 24 minutes so that would come out to i'm not doing math yeah this is not this is not what i signed up (laughs) i was about to say (laughs) what i'm I'm going to a calculator but I'll, i'll guess i about a minute of that is like title credits so i'm gonna call there, that well there point. is like i because i've skipped about the first minute and a half of every video after the first one because there is this kind of like twilight zoney like here's the spiel yes and, yes and here's the title card Aegon destroys like the screen it like shatters into glass very very similar to that so the, it was cut into a 96 minute feature film but all the episodes combined together are i think about that same amount of time so that, that's one of the reasons i added this on here is because well, I I don't have access to the the ninety six minute VHS that was released in the eighties, but this was released, you know, as a a film at one point. I didn't want to do this in nineteen sixty four because that's not when people watched it <laughs> when it when it was made when it was finished. It was only released to Fuji TV in nineteen sixty eight. So that is where this kind of comes in our chronological releases it came out technically just right after son of godzilla so it came out in january of 1968 which is where we're in 1968 now with these releases finally done with the very long 1967 but yeah this this came out on television it was a series four-part series as we said produced by nippon television and even by 1964, they had already been making a lot of colored, you know, color programming for for years. So it's an oddity that this was still in black and white. <laughs> and it like probably said, did the film more favors it being in black and white than if it had been in color. Well, I don't know, because like I said, 
a year. Because the title no, character, th- we talked about this last week. If your title character sucks, you got a problem. <laughs> and the title character is awful. What, two years later, Ultraman would come out, and I don't know if a lot of the visuals in in this movie are a ton worse than than Ultraman, but I think this might have... I would say Ultraman's better. I, I think this might have been saved if it had been in color, though. And it's one of the reasons why they... I mean, we don't get much more Ultraman, unfortunately, because it was in black and white, and we just have a world that was moving towards color television at the time. I mean, we don't get more Ultraman. Ultra Q, I'm sorry, Ultra Q, we don't get a lot more of, unfortunately. We got a lot more Ultraman because it was in color. Yeah, but. We, we, we get some weird reboots around the 90s for Ultra Q, and I think a sequel series 10 years after that. Yeah, a short series. I Probably I, because of the success of the X-Files, I would imagine. So let's I, talk about this one. Because I like, this one... I like Aegon, Miles. I, like, I, I know you do. and I, it, I, it, I like it, it for its history as well. All right. We, so we don't this, we don't have a ton to talk about with this film because there is very little information about it online. So I want to ask you this because I'm I'm not trying to be funny or fuddy duddy about this this situation. What is it about this film? Because I mean I do agree there are some interesting aspects on the human side at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, it's I mean the main character. I, I think is the best part of of the movie, for better for human worse. character. Yes. Oh yeah. So if we're talk, we we talked about him last week. We had a reporter named Goro, and <laughs> hilariously enough, we have another reporter, a very tenacious, kind of comedic reporter named Goro Goro Sumoto in this this film, whose nickname is Supon. <laughs> which I don't know if that's part of the the fan translation or not, but because he always sinks his teeth into his reporting. According job. to IMDb, this is his only credit. Uh, that you are going to find that for a lot of the actors if you if you look. Which them up. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest is kind of a bummer because I thought he was pretty good. So I think it's probably the only credit that we have access to. I do not think IMDb is that great. Privy on like Japanese television and stuff. Japanese television. There, yeah. there are some other sites you can look for Japanese screen credits if you want to translate the Japanese. But yeah, no, no. A lot of these folks, this is their, their only credit, at least in the, the, the Western world. I think part of it is because it was released later on as a a film, as a cut film, and because it's a kaiju, uh, it 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 exists still as as a film because of fans of kaiju films like you and I. This Which one, I mean, on that in, in that respect is very cool. This feels like it should be lost media. You know, it feels <laughs> like like you, uh, you sound like me right now. What what was it? Aqua Kong, or there was another series that was lost. Marine Kong, uh, yeah, an, another series that was is mostly lost. There's and also like a King Kong in Tokyo, I think that was also lost. Yeah, yeah. There's some short films from yeah. from the 30s when King Kong came out. We've we've talked about before, but I'm happy that this one isn't lost. I am judging this mostly as a compilation or series or a film that came out in. Or was completed in 1964. So it does have a lot of elements that I feel like were very progressive, like putting a giant kaiju on television. 
and a lot of the the effects that they did, they did not have the professional crews of Toho. They didn't have a huge studio like Subaraya behind them. Once again, this is Nippon TV kind of throwing money at some creatives to to put this this together. And yeah, we we, we gilded the lily a little bit, but the release of the series was postponed because either that there's a lot of different stories on this. Toho threatened to sue, you know, either Nippon Television, the producers, Fuji TV, the 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 people that would be airing it or or what have you. Uh, probably was it Toho that, that compiled it? Well, yeah, in the 80s. So that's a, a little 90s. weird part of the history. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure when exactly the VHS came out. I think it came out here in the U.S. in the 90s, but maybe late 80s mm. was compiled mm. in Japan. Anyway, obviously they had a right to, to threaten because there was a lot of similarities, Miles, between their well, own. Binky. Not only that, and had people Aegon. involved in their movies involved in this project. Yes, and once again, I've, I've not found a ton of research done about this film because it's not anyone's like favorite, unfortunately. But it's either they were able to hold up the release of the film because of a non-complete clause in the writer of two of the episodes, Shinichi Sekazawa, the writer for Ebera, writer for Son of Godzilla, although I uh, guess he hadn't written those. Also, like, I think <laughs> every show, Showa era Godzilla uh, from King Kong versus Godzilla forward. Not not every single one, but there, there's he's definitely the one of the main authors, along with, of course, director Shiro Honda, but also one of E.J. Subaraya's protégés, Fuminori Ohashi, was the main effects and suit designer for for Aegon. And once again, I've heard varying or I've researched varying differences in how the story goes. It's either they held up the movie because of the contract or they found out that they were involved in the project years later and then decided it was okay to release because, you know, they respected. No one cared. <laughs> well, yeah, no one cared. And they respected the work that they did. Perhaps they rallied to have this released but yeah coming out four years after it was done is pretty crazy not not on un, unlikely it's obviously happened and there's all kinds of lost movies and, and movies like your Batgirls that get finished and and don't get released don't but, you say that name <laughs> maybe when this episode comes out they'll have some different news on it but others online like i said like author uh, kevin Darendorf, who's written some kaiju books like i said it's because of the the contract that Sunichi Sekazawa had made it so this couldn't be released, or maybe it couldn't be released for a certain number of of years. Eventually, it did get released. 1968, it did come out, and probably, like I said, one of the reasons this didn't hit with audiences is because it's a little too little too late. Another black and white kaiju film. Well, They've had yeah. Ultraman for two years now, and I think there was a another series coming on the way in 68 so well so here's the thing is like again i don't ever want to purposefully take a dump on someone's creative work mm -hmm. in in so much that like this is a lot of people try to get this to happen i like the story where they were kind of fighting it it's a very kind of a punk rock story and that that kind of warms my heart but in so much as the americans had this problem in the 50s Everything about this this movie's plot feels very soulless and by the numbers. Even the very end 
with the the warning of mankind's hubris. Like at this point in time, that movie's been made several times. And again, you don't have to be original. Just do what you're doing well. And, and you mentioned you liked the Goro character. I think he's one of the few exceptions to the characters in this film not being very stock. You know, you're stock detective, you're stock oh, scientist. Well, I mean, he's the only one that actually, I mean, you spend any time with. And he, look, look, he's not great. It's not, not like he's like the one fleshed out character mm. in a series of one dimensional characters. No. He's two dimensional instead of one. Like he's. <laughs> he, he okay. reminded me of a lot of characters we would see in an Ultra Q style episode. And and so here's the thing is, is you know, because I gave Varen a lot of leeway because it was supposed to be made for TV. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was people doing something similar, but still doing it really well, at least within the limited resources that they had. That's not the case here. And I also find the design for the title character to be Ho-Hum. Let's talk about Aegon a little bit. So it is a bipedal monster with kind of plates on its back or spikes on its back with with a a large maw. (laughs) And it also breathes fire. I don't know if it's atomic fire for Aegon, but it's very simple. Because it only does it the one time, right? No, it does it at the end. It gets the helicopter with the, okay, with the okay. fire. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, in the there, ugliest scene I have ever there are a lot seen of a fire, film. A lot of fire effects, but yeah, it, I will say it's better than the first camera fire. It's better than <laughs> our boy Young Gary because it's actually it has it still can well, like I'm, has I'm, its I'm mouth glad closed. I'm glad you're giving it the, the proper measurement stick here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't see a giant hose coming out of its mouth. Yeah, but, it's um, certainly not as bad as Young Gary. Yeah, I agree with that. I w- I would say it is if you showed this monster or a scene of it kind of rampaging around. And maybe this is why Toho had a, potentially a, a an ability to get litigious with it. If you showed this to anyone and didn't they didn't know what it was, they'd be like, "Oh, is that Godzilla? You know, is that like an early Godzilla?" I would say the similarities between them are like ninety percent. There, there, there's more. Obviously, a lot more similar between them than there is dissimilar. That being said, I will say that being said, they took great care to make a brand new suit. That did have a lot of different elements. There's an inflatable gullet, like a neck area that breathes, which yeah, is not it, something that, that that is the one thing they did. I agree. Well, and I will say they love that about the suit because they use it for the outro credits on some of the episodes. It is prominently featured in a lot of shots. It it, it breathing. And that's not something we we will get a lot of details on in Kaiju until like the eighties, maybe nineties. Sure. With those kind of, that kind of pseudomation. It's a little wasted here. Once again, in black and white, because yeah, I mean, there's also like nothing ever done with it. You know, like it's, it's shown, it's shown off, yeah. but oh, there's, yeah. he, he doesn't get don't do anything with yeah. stabbed in the neck or anything. Well, not only that, but like if you had done that before, like a really cool fire scene, like mm. even for TV, a cool fire scene, that would have at least given it something like this creature. If that's one, part of his fire breathing. You you have the the suit and I guess a plastic figure at some point because there's some really bad distance shots of this thing. Oh, there's some terrible <laughs> toy monsters. Yeah, there's a lot of sure. toys used in this thing. And again, I don't know what the expectation was for a TV monster in the 60s. Yeah, 
Yeah, but like, I can like, base it off of stuff I would see at least a couple years later, and even then, I'm like, <sighs> it still looks better. I, I well, I was about to say, I do want to judge this as a, a a product that came out in 1968, not the 80s or 90s, not 1964. If this had come out in 1964, I the same thing with Varen. If it had been a series, it probably would have gotten more points when we talk about that. But I mean, for what yes, it is, but, I mean, Varen. Even though Varen is basically, hey, give us a Godzilla for TV. At least there's they they do a couple things that are at least distinctly different. Whereas, yeah, I will say I feel like this movie is more of a Varen knockoff than a Godzilla knockoff in some ways. Like we have yeah, a very in, similar in some ways. If we're if but but we're talking about something ending. where do you do you think hmm, I don't want to say how, 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 hmm, do you think their reference point would be more Varen though? Like even though this this is more Varen like, you got to think they're they're going for Godzilla, right? That, that's a great question. I'm wondering if. Shinichi also wrote Varen. I'm, I'm wondering if this he, is kind of like uh, I did not. He wrote Atragon. Interesting. No, his his first kaiju. Oh no, he did write Varen. I mean, you're, I'm sorry, you're right. He wrote he wrote Varen. I I and, thought he might have because that one is, is a kind of a lighter script, and I can understand why they are so similar structure wise. Even kind of like the axe. We we talked a lot about how it felt like. Varen was a four act movie, so it felt kind of long in that third one where you're like they're not close to killing the monster yet, you know? That that the same this, third episode this of this series. Longer. Yeah, the, the the third episode of this one felt very long. I will say I I think I enjoyed the first two episodes a little more. Uh, the of, cliffhanger of, of the doctor fallen in the in the earthquake, excellent mm-hmm. dropping off point. <laughs> kind of lame that it just fizzled a little oh, bit but yeah it's I, I like she fell into like a six inch ditch sure that, but like the first the episode that we was got was great. like oh yeah. she's falling to the earth she's dead yeah and then well the second episode continues with a lot of a lot of destruction of the nuclear energy agency or, or whatever it is we haven't talked too much about the plot but you don't need to you probably what can plot? write this <laughs> yourself <laughs> a, a giant monster appears uranium goes missing after a a, a typhoon or a tsunami it's a, early it's on. It's a kitchen sink scenario. You have you have a, a, a kid who oh, yeah. annoys people. You have gangsters who are way too good at their job. Yep, two two brother gangsters. That is right. <laughs> like they they they're seemingly like awful at what they do, but for some reason they continue to fail upwards in, in, yes. the, in this miniseries. You have you have Goro, who is the, the, the type of journalist that we've seen many times. I I I. Once I bite on a story, I don't let go. We've heard that before. Yeah, L- little comedic. Like I said, there's there's some some interesting elements, but he's got a heart of gold. He is definitely our our main yeah. character. He's he's our main character for the series. D- Detective Yamato is very by the books, nineteen sixties hardboiled detective. <laughs> sure, and, and uh, doesn't <laughs> he, do a he, ton. He's there. Is yeah, what I, exactly. I'll, I'll give him. He's there. <laughs> Like he, he is a character who at least said present. Uh, That's about all you can say about him. Akimi Sawa plays Satsuki, the assistant to Professor Ukyo, and and a love interest to to Goro. I think her introduction scene and, with and her it's another dog. Problem with this, it's this, it's the same like flaccid love story that we get between these characters. Where like it's it's never fulfilled. It's also never like interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, 
I think her casting was interesting, though. She, I don't think she is completely Japanese, so she might might have like other ancestry in her. She isn't like a leading lady type that would normally be in these kaiju movies. I feel like a lot of these actors are. Oh yeah, the a lot of these actors cast I against mean, type in in some ways. Like the 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 guy they got for the professor doesn't seem like <laughs> what you would smart you would get in in a Shiro Honda <laughs> professor you know type character. Yeah, I mean, again, I hate just like just dumping on a film, or it's not even a film. It's a it's a, a <laughs> TV miniseries from the, the mid '60s. At this point, let's just call it an average. And I just—it's a bummer because I, I want to find things that I really enjoy in this. And I, uh, you know, I t- you I'll tell you what, I, too many. I, yeah. I, I, I liked, I liked their solution to getting rid of the monster, which is mm-hmm. let's just give it a lot of drugs. Yeah, well, that's one thing I do like about this movie a great deal. They don't kill the monster at the end. They are only able to, like, stop him from killing the, the young boy and drive him off. Although, technically, the, the gangsters kind of <laughs> do that by accident, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> oh, that, that scene is one of the funniest I have seen in kaiju <laughs> history so let's, far. Like, let's tease this giant monster. <sighs> it's, it's, it's so bad. Well, cause, so the entire time these gangsters are trying to retrieve a suitcase that they have for whatever reason, lost. Yeah. And hilariously, it is always around Aegon. He's like, yeah, well, it's, under it's, it's, it's under his foot. It's under his foot. foot. Yeah. And, and the entire time, I'm kind of curious, what's so important that these guys are like sneaking into an atomic agency and murdering guards? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, I don't know the history of what I assume is cocaine. So, yeah, some kind they of say, They say narcotic, substance. but it's a white powder. But also, historically, I don't think cocaine had hit the seen yet there did, did it probably heroin i feel like yakuza oh it could, had it could, a, it could, it could be you're OPM, right um you know some kind of derivation they say narcotics specifically yeah I mean, op- opium is makes heroin so <laughs> but, yeah i just yeah they, they I, need I, it and they hilariously <laughs> i'm assuming i mean i'm guessing i'm guessing that the street value of it is it's pretty high if they're willing to do the ride dumbest on, things in the entire ride world. on Godzilla's tail. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, Aegon doesn't it. seem to notice, though. So, I'm honestly, it, it made me kind of interested in the drug trade. I mean, I've always been really interested in mm-hmm. in or, organized crime in general. The Yakuza, the triads, the I mean, uh, the mob. Like I've, al- I've always yeah. found that history very fascinating. So, I would be interested to know kind of the background if that's even... <laughs> borderline accurate which given the rest of this film is is doubtful but i the entire time every mobster that shows up in these godzilla films is is pretty comedic usually (laughs) for sure if if we go back what was the (laughs) dogara the the gangsters in that movie were so good is that the one where the kid just like gets it over on him <laughs> uh, well, that that's the one with the that's giant space right? squids. Yeah, the the yeah, Mothra has some some good baddies as well. That those are agent, enemy agents of another country, though. But but I I really I didn't know how to feel for a lot of these characters because yeah, you have these gangsters who are 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 going off. I honestly, I wish we never. I wish it was like Pulp Fiction. I wish we never saw it was in the suitcase because the entire time I'm like, what is worth? pissing off a giant monster to yeah. get 
<laughs> and, um, and also, they relied on the kindness uh, after their boat tipped over of like a, a local fisherman who's just doing everything for these these yeah, gangsters and that, burn on them. I mean, I kind of saw where that was heading, but it, it bummed me out because I'm like, this guy, you don't have to threaten him. He was willing to help you out. Yeah, you know, just, just chat him up. <laughs> He's pretty cool about it. But and uh, he was just like, "Hey, we can come back later. I just don't want to go after that monster." Which I mean is a normal human thing to do. Like, I, th- this movie relies on everyone being the absolute dumbest person. <laughs> yeah, th- there's a lot, because it is a longer series, and there's not that much of the, the characters' kind of personal stories. It's a lot of reacting to the monster, which is, you know, what we like to see in, in a lot of kaiju movies, but... And, and you they, telling me this is a fan sub makes more sense because... <laughs> it's a good fan chief... Sub. The chief that bosses Goro around at certain times, his name is Desk? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if what the translation for Goro's I, I'm nickname was. I'm assuming it's supposed to be chief, right? Yeah. The, the, the His nickname of Sepon is pretty good because it sounds kind of Japanese, but it's also like, you know, Sepon, like he eats up on his stories. So p- parts of that I thought were were quite good. I, I think we, we can't talk too much more about this, this series, this movie, because no. I, I think it is one that is worth watching. Probably not much time again. I, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't rated this movie, but in my head, uh, as I was kind of like walking home after, after watching it, I, I watched a little bit at a, at a friend's house. I don't think it's very good, honestly. I enjoyed it a lot. But I think it's just a good 1960s black and white monster movie. I think it's it's up there. I did not quite enjoy it as much as some of our other black and white 60s monster movies, like the first camera, for example. But I think it's good. I think it's good for television, not good for movies. So I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. I don't think that's by and, and far <laughs> a high score. I think it is better than what it actually is or would be for most people miles you're shaking your head what what is your score for its personal enjoyment it's gone down since we've talked (laughs) this is probably the lowest it might be the lowest i've given a japanese film no i feel like i gave well let me double check real quick i might have given the x from outer space something lower no so and i'm I'm looking at our our rankings Mm mm-hmm from one to ten in, in our shared notes of, of, of what because I'm, I'm wanting to like appropriately talk about yeah. how I feel about this movie and, and and just a reminder to our fans here: ten out of ten is one of your favorites as far as masterpiece goes. divine encounter. 100%. We have zero written as a atrocity, <laughs> and so I don't think this is an atrocity. Like Good. I absolutely, I mean, I, I, even though I absolutely dislike this film or this series. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't think it's an atrocity because I think there's a lot of things to take into consideration. So I am going to say it's mediocre and uninteresting. I think it is vaguely soulless. I think it's it's doing a lot of by the numbers stuff in an uninteresting way, mm-hmm. and it's certainly disappointing. So my score is going to be four out of ten, which I think is the lowest I've given a Japanese movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't like it, you don't like it. It for or the technical score. I am going to be kind of evaluating this similar to Varen. It is a made for television series, which we haven't done quite before. I think I would definitely agree with you. It's not 
quite as good as Ultraman. I think some of the effects, though, some of the directing and the story elements are better than a lot of the episodes of Ultra Q that I was able to get through. The the technical aspects for a production company or, or, or you know, a production that didn't have prior experience was pretty good, actually. So uh, not a great score here, but giving that a, a six out of ten as well. And I actually didn't mind the suit. I, w- I would like to see the suit in color. Unfortunately, we don't, I don't even know if there are any set photos. I, I thought we was about to be on the same page. I really did. <laughs> uh, I was like, yeah, I think I feel a little bit better about the technical aspect. I think, yeah, I think the acting is bad. I think the script is lazy, but I think there's an, a genuine effort here. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I think the, the actors, think, especially they, they, they weren't, they weren't checked out, you know? No, no, no. And, and that's where that kind of flawed, but worthy aspect of the score comes in, because I do think this is absolutely flawed. If you're really wanting to go through every kaiju thing ever made, it's worth seeing in that aspect. I don't think it's moderately insightful, so I'm a little torn on that, but I'm going to give it a five out of 10 because I do think it's more middle of the road. I think it's a TV production. And so I do have to cut some slack, but I don't think it did anything else interesting mm-hmm. other than really try all right now we get to the evocative nature of the film where where we think this stands particularly in the movies around it and we're i think going, we're going back down for this because well, I, I think if if we were writing it against some of the more early 60s movies it might hold up a little better i don't think this is i don't think so i don't think this is a, a soulless production I think it's very close, but I'm giving it a 5 out of 10. I think it is moderately insightful for, like, kaiju television, where we were. I think if you watch this, and then Ultra Q, and then Ultraman, you will see kind of, like, a progression that works well. I, so, I, would, I would have been interested, to, if this had come out in 1964, if it, had, if it would have been popular. But like I said, coming out after Ultraman, there's, like, there's no chance people... Doug would would have dug this as much as as that show that show exploded in popularity you know yeah so so i'm giving it a five my final score for five out of ten what about what about you so i mean even when you when you like say oh well you compare it to things from 1964 you know what else came out in 1964 mm-hmm. mothra versus godzilla <laughs> well that is a movie with probably a hundred times budgets <laughs> yeah i i understand that but like also Scores for, for my score for that movie is nine, eight, and ten. So I feel a yeah, certain pretty, way. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna lie. Even even Dogura, which I gave a higher score, which is more along the lines of where we're hey, at here. Hey, you know, um, you know who wrote Mothra versus Godzilla? I do. Also, Sinichi Sekizawa. He yeah. Prolific. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> prolific, and that's that's actually on his <laughs> his Wikizilla page it's up front so, so, he's like he created the 1968 miniseries Aegon. so but here's the thing is like when we're talking about evocative cultural significance i mean this is a movie that's mostly been forgotten to time right for i mean several reasons but for I mean, regardless it, it yeah. has almost no cultural footprint other than it was released in the 90s that's not that's not the be all end all of no 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 but it's, it's, it's my this. it's my barometer for how i judge something's cultural significance mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to have been always important but the fact that like i mean outside of that 90s vhs is probably the only reason we know this thing existed yeah most definitely i feel like it would be 
lost media because I don't feel like this would get replayed very often, even over there, you know? Right. So for that reason, mm-hmm. four out of ten. Okay, so uh, not terrible. There, no, no, but... no. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, like that's that's my thing. I thought like, you were going much lower. No, no, absolutely not. I, I just this thing is only significant because, honestly, because Toho released a VHS in the nineties. It's yes. the only reason we know about it. Why they did, I don't quite understand. Technically, the Aegon suit would show up in a couple of episodes of Ambassador Magma, which had a different U.S. name. But <laughs> at first, it was just like a nameless dinosaur, but it would come back for a three or four episode run as a kaiju named Aaron. A-R-O-N. So very close to Aegon, <laughs> but not... not <laughs> the way you said of Aaron. I am. A- I'm the monster Aaron. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I would agree with you. There's obviously no legacy for this film, but no, what they were and, trying I mean, to and, do, and, and, and the thing is, like, I will a hundred percent give the people who who made an effort any sort of ups for it. Mm-hmm. However, there is no escaping the fact that the the script is extremely lazy. A lot of the actors may have been fine for TV at the time, but they were they were that was it. And they, they certainly, they, 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 they showed up for work. They did, they did their job, but they didn't do their job very well and they weren't called to do much. So it's really difficult to really comment so much. I mean, like the, the love interest, the doctor character, she, she is, she's present. Oh, no, she's, her, a lot of her readings are pretty, pretty wooden. <laughs> right. She, she, she's, she's, she, she is, she is awake. And that's all I can say. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think if they had miscast Goro, that it, it would be, hundred percent. I mean, he he honestly is the reason this movie has a high score as it does. Because yeah. even the det- detective, he oh, is yeah. present, he's awake, but he's awake enough to be able to like, I'm playing your basic detective character. I just yeah. that that's the disappointing thing. I'm I am all in on someone copying the Godzilla formula, even though I, I know yeah. I have previously said that like, hey, at this point, you kind of have to have another monster to fight to like kind of gauge my interest. But if you want to make something. Like 54's Gojira, um, Gojira, and do something similar, you have to do, you have to commit, you have to do it well. You mm-hmm. can't just copy its homework. And I yeah. think that's the biggest difference that, uh, between a movie like that and other films that, that kind of take what Gojira did, what King Kong did, and make their own thing, or at least make their original twist. That's a, that's a big difference. That's the way Mothra works. I, I agree with you. I think our score reflects how we're feeling here. I had a, a, a mid five, you're a mid four brings our total for the podcast to one of our lowest for this season of the 1960s, a five out of 10, which is, I think, pretty fair. Once again, either of our personal enjoyments of the film could be like way on either side of our total for podcast sure, sure. score. And rightly so, I think we enjoyed Conga a little more than we we scored the entire film for. But that one and Reptilicus, also a 5 out of 10. And going back to the 50s season, there are a lot of 5s in the 50s, but yeah. That, yeah, um, it, makes me, it makes me feel like I was too kind to the 50s. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think... <laughs> I think I probably wouldn't rewatch Aegon the same way I wouldn't watch some of those monster movies. But that that is our final score. That's where it 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 holds its place firmly 
tied at the bottom with a lot of the the other great stuff that has come out in in this season. Right. That's that's going to do us where, for this week's episode. Where, where can people find us, Miles? I mean, you can find us at Kaiju versus History on Twitter. You can email it at, email us at Kaiju versus History at gmail.com or you can go to our website, Kaiju versus History dot com. Patrick, tell us what we're doing next week. Well, well, thank you for, for listening, everyone out there. Miles, thanks for watching this. Abysmal. You better thank me for this series with me. We we will catch you next week, next time, when we go back and look at the brightly colorful, after a week of black and white, the brightly colored world of Gamera films as they take another further step down the line into more kid-friendly adventure films. That is right. Tune in next time for History versus Gamera versus Viros. Bum, 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 bum.